back home. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about building energy-efficient homes. For folks who own a home or rent, the energy efficiency of their heating and cooling systems directly translates into how much money is spent each month to either heat the home in cold weather or cool the home in hot weather. Fortunately, for the power companies and oil companies, almost everyone accepts the inevitability of paying increasingly expensive monthly bills for this energy. Unfortunately, for your bank account and the environment, there's very little being done by the housing industry to build homes that are more energy efficient, even though many inexpensive techniques are available to reduce a home's energy consumption. The problem of poorly designed homes is not strictly an American problem, but we certainly lead the world in doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. For example, we know that the more a home is insulated, the less heat it will lose in the winter and the less heat it will gain in the summer. Despite this clear fact, homes are still being designed with minimal insulation. We know that homes can be designed to take advantage of the free heat energy of the sun in the winter, but few conventional homes are built to take advantage of this fact. Even though we know that building a home with lots of thermal mass, like concrete or rockwork, will help significantly in balancing the temperature in a home and provide free summertime cooling, again, very few homes are built with this feature. We know that building into the earth will save huge amounts of energy because the home draws heat up in the winter or cools down in the summer. Yet. Most homes built today have all four sides in the roof completely exposed to the elements. Now, before building contractors complain that I'm criticizing them unfairly, for the most part, the home building industry does respond to what the home buying public wants, or at least what the builders think they want. As more home buyers realize that you can build a home that will, for the most part, heat itself in the winter and cool itself in the summer, conventional building contractors will begin to look seriously at what many non-conventional builders have known for decades. And that is, for the same amount of money, you can live in a home that is nearly energy self-sufficient, which can easily save thousands of dollars each year in energy costs. There are lots of alternatives to conventional homes, and one that's gaining in popularity around the country is to build a dome home. The round shape is inherently space efficient and energy efficient. They can be built in a variety of sizes and with wonderful floor plans. They're extremely easy to super insulate and are often made from concrete if you want a zero maintenance home. Dome homes almost beg to be customized to your personal plans, and believe it or not, there are even do-it-yourself dome home kits. Dome homes aren't for everyone, but they are one very appealing option among many that will help reduce our energy consumption, reduce the environmental impacts of heating and cooling, plus, of course, reduce your monthly expenses.
More information on energy-efficient dome homes is available from Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. The news from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from Aircheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. Are you ready for the end of the world? (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Should I wake up? (laughs) Should we bring back the circle again? (laughs) You almost forgot that part. (laughs) Bring back... (laughs) I forgot it all. (laughs) It's like... um. You want to try it? Okay. I uh, forgot. Let's let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. And now it's time to wake up. All right. Let's see. <clears throat> wake up. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Or the Not-So-Energy Mon. <laughs> and this is Tree Song. And we are here to bring you a half hour of your community spirit, the show. About? No, I'm not going to start it. <laughs> you get stuck in the loop. Uh, like, now that we're awake, we could actually bring you the show. <laughs> um, a Republican calls for climate action, and he has to stay anonymous to keep his job. How do we know it's a he? Yeah. Well, that's, I wonder. You know, I wonder if it is. Maybe this is not a Republican, but it's apparently a verified Republican. A verified Republican. <laughs> Verifiable, certifiable. A Republican staffer at the U.S. House has written a fervent call for conservative action on climate change winning second place in a young conservative writing contest sponsored by the energy and enterprise initiative but he won't be collecting his prize in person he's afraid to reveal his name (laughs) this is horrible yeah well i mean it's a good thing that he did but it it's horrible that in order to keep his job he's got saying he also well he i think it says somewhere in the article he uh, uh, yeah, later on it does eventually say... He's he, afraid to reveal his name or face. Yeah. So the the piece was published on the Real Clear Science website under the pseudonym of Eric Brandison. The author explains that he is, quote, writing under a pen name to protect his boss and himself, end quote. Here's how his piece kicks off. Someone in the GOP needs to say it. Con- conservation is conservative. <laughs> Oh, um, climate change is real and conservatives need to lead on solutions because we have better answers than the other side. Conservatives have long fought to protect the natural rights and property rights of individuals living and unborn from infringement by environmental degradation and pollution. Hmm. That's a good start. That's a very good start to a p- article. Um, It was published again in the Real Clear Science website if you want to read the whole thing or you can email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we will send you a link. Yeah, and it's got more details there. Like the Energy Enterprise Initiative was started by someone in Congress who uh, 
who did lose their job because they started talking about climate change and they were conservative. They got voted out. So they decided to uh, create this prize for other young conservatives to uh, be able to speak their voice. It's interesting. Speaking of interesting, I'm going to skip to the fact that Google is sponsoring a climate-denying person. Yeah, this really disappointed me because we talked at some point on the radio about Google doing good things related to climate. You know, well, they they are the evil genius of the world, <laughs> and so you know, a little something they do makes a big statement. Yeah. So you know, um, something good. I mean, you could. I I say that about Walmart a lot. They do a little something good. It makes a big statement. Google is the same thing. Yeah. Now they're doing a little something bad, and it's making a big statement. Yeah. They're trying to atone for the good they did before. <laughs> the Google, the story is that Google hosts fundraiser for climate-denying Senator Jim Inhofe. Google, which prides itself on building a, quote, better web that is better for the environment, is hosting a fundraiser for the most notorious climate change denier in Congress. The lunch at the company's Washington, D.C. office will benefit the Oklahoma Republican Jim Inhofe, who has made a career of dismissing climate change as a hoax on the Senate floor. Yeah, that's one of those names I didn't even have to look up. I recognize him for all of his, his jibber-jabbering he's done about climate. Is he the one from Oklahoma? Uh, yeah. He, he's the one who's probably out of all of them, one of the most infamous for his climate change denial. Uh, he's made a career of dismissing climate change as a hoax on the Senate floor. Proceeds from the July 11th lunch priced at $250 to $2,500 per ticket will also go to the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Uh, so they're, they're not just supporting him with this, but he is their, uh, their honoree. And this is the second unearthed uh, you know, public display of support from Google. Yeah. Um, they, it was unearthed recently that they actually had donated $50,000 which um, to, let's see, to, for the ultra-conservative Competitive Enterprise Institute, actually topping the contributions even of the um, oil billionaires, the, what, the Cooch brothers? Yeah, the Koch brothers. No, I like to call them the Cooch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah. Well, they, that's, that's impressive. They're outdoing themselves, and they're outdoing the, the Koch brothers. Uh, uh, yeah, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, they... Uh, they are also notorious climate change deniers. So Google, maybe Google has a list now. They're like, let's see. Let's go down the list of the most famous climate change deniers. Well, they have so much money. I think they might be just giving money to everybody, just that, you know, everybody <laughs> will let them take over the world. I yeah, mean, they'll hedge their bets. You know, if, if the environmentalists win, they get in good with the environmentalists. If uh, the Koch brothers and Inhofe win, they get in good with them. <laughs> it's like... If the, what do you call it, if the environment wins, they lose everything? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a tried and true uh, political strategy. <laughs> Donate to them all. <laughs> all right, this is not tried and true. Fracking triggers quakes and seismic chaos. This has been confirmed. Major earthquakes thousands of miles away can trigger reflux quakes in areas where fluids have been injected into the ground from fracking and other industrial operations according to a study published in the journal science on thursday previous studies covered in a recent mother jones feature have shown that injecting fluids into the ground can increase the seismicity of a region 
This latest study shows that earthquakes can tip off smaller quakes in faraway areas where fluid has been pumped underground. The scientists actually looked at three big quakes. The Tuhuku Oki earthquake in Japan in 2011, a magnitude of 9. The Mali in Chile in 2010, an 8.8 magnitude. And the Sumatra in Indonesia in 2012, which was an 8.6. They found out that as much as 20 months later, these major quakes triggered smaller ones in places in the Midwestern U.S., Wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, yeah, how can all, they prove that? I mean, Well, they're the seismologists. I wouldn't know exactly how to prove it, but they've apparently got some evidence well, for it. Well, there's a lot, a lot of uh, data. I mean, they yeah. have, you know... They've got lots of data. They just, uh, you know, put their measurement devices out there all around the world, and they can do, like, a, a map of all the different quakes going on. So, and then well, they do math to analyze it all, so... Well, I mean, um, I wonder if it's the fact that we're taking the oil out of the earth that's causing it, not the fact that we're putting other oil, uh, other liquids in. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, the oil is in the veins and the arteries of the earth for a reason. It's to lubricate it. I mean, it's there, you know, maybe, maybe you think illogically for just no reason, but <laughs> it's the same reason in my mind that it's in an engine, to make it lubricated so that earthquakes don't happen as much. I wonder if anybody's done a study to see if they've been increasing because we're taking the oil out. Oh, yeah. Well, it's probably hard to say if, if they're all connected, like the, the drilling and the oil extraction all happening at the same time, but the whatever exactly is causing it, it does clearly seem to be correlated. And uh, that's really unfortunate. You know, it, it was bad enough to first hear about the reports that, you know, that fracking at an area can cause earthquakes in that area. But if you can do this and then 20 months later there's another earthquake somewhere else and it causes your area to have an earthquake, I mean, that seems like a really dangerous technology to be using. Like you're basically saying, I'm going to put a time bomb under my region and just wait for some earthquake somewhere to trigger it. Sounds like a plan. I mean, we're thinking <laughs> short term. We're not thinking long term. Yeah, that's next quarter. We'll worry about that next yeah, quarter. I mean, it won't affect this quarter's profits. I mean, corporations look at short-term profit, not long-term problems, right? Yeah, they tend to look at the quarter. If they're really forward-thinking, they'll look at the year. <laughs> so that's why I like the corporations that are now starting to hire, what do they call them, consciences? They call <laughs> yeah. them sustainability coordinators or something like that. But it's basically... A corporation is, you know, has the same rights as a human, but it doesn't have a conscience. Yeah, so they have to install and enhance conscience to the corporations. So, <laughs> well, let's see how that works out for them. It's pretty interesting. There's this trend of studies that is saying, let us bring nature back because, well, it's costing us too much. You know, we've torn up nature, we've, like, enhanced it or what, conquered it. <laughs> and now we're finding out that nature had a reason for a lot of the things that were there. Yeah. That was my segue into that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's a good segue into this one. Can bringing wetlands back to our coasts protect us from future megastorms? Kevin Shanley says too many cities have an outdated approach to storm protection that makes them vulnerable to coming megastorms. The CEO of SWA Group, an international landscaping, architecture, planning and urban design firm, Shanley is an advocate of using, quote, green infrastructure, human-made systems that mimic natural ones, as bulwarks. 
In the wake of Hurricane Sandy, people are taking note. Some experts believe New York City would not have sustained such severe damage had the original wetlands that lined the coasts not been uprooted by development. In fact, some parts of Staten Island remain relatively unscathed because they were protected by the massive Fresh Kills Park and wetlands. What's needed, Shanley says, are policy shifts, quote, rooted in a natural system approach that work with nature's tremendous forces. Beyond policy changes, though, Shanley has also worked on projects in Texas and elsewhere that show how these human-made systems could work. But he cautions that more research is needed if communities' lives and livelihoods are to rely on human-made nature. Human-made nature. Yeah. <laughs> well, wetlands in particular are one of those things that there are so many benefits to that, you know, earlier people in our civilizations decided to destroy all of these wetlands because they're like, well, I can't grow corn or wheat here, so I'm just going to destroy everything here and drain it and well, be done with it. I, I think it's more the fact that we feel like we are superior to nature. Yeah. That's why... When you listen to the news, they don't talk about here's what the weather is. They're talking about, you know, here's what we're going to have to fight today. <laughs> yeah. It's not like here's what we're going to work with. Here's what we're going to fight today. Yeah. So. 17-year-old sets out to save the planet and makes, you know, the rest of us feel really lame. <laughs> yeah. Think of your life when you were 12. Most of us were busy with first crushes, middle school battling the first waste of wave of acne blossoming on our cheeks um i'm not trying to remember how i was when i was 12 <laughs> anyway not charles showing all of our preteen selves up he was busy starting a recycling program to clean up litter at his school campus in charleston south carolina by the time his family moved to georgia the summer before eighth grade his recycling program had the backing of a national environmental nonprofit. In 2010, it became known as Greening Forward. Now at the ripe old age of 17, he serves as CEO hosting environmental summits, building educational programs, and organizing clubs for 1,500 other green-minded kids. Somewhere near in there, he's also finding time, of course, to finish his junior high of, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, that's pretty exciting. I, there's a lot of people that are being inspired. I was at an environmental conference, and the young lady got up there, and she said, quit saying we're the future. <laughs> that means we don't have to do anything now. Yeah. We are the now. We are the ones that are making the future. Yeah. And I, there was a lot of old people at that conference crying. <laughs> they were like, yes, the future is now. <laughs> yeah, the future is now. They're like, oh, well, this kid's got it covered. We could all just go home. <laughs> yeah, just like... yeah, no, it is really good to see. I, I like that both because of how active that, that kid sounds and also because of the program where it's helping 1,500 other green-minded young people yeah, get I involved mean, in environmental issues. It's like, you know, do something good but inspire others to do good things too. You know? Yeah, because I feel like, you know, once once I moved to Carbondale and got involved in college, right away I got involved in environmental issues because I met someone who was working on it. And maybe if I'd met someone in junior high or high school who was working on that, then I might have gotten involved in it then. I can't imagine if you met someone who was involved in something else besides environmental. <laughs> yeah. Like, he what? I, I could have gone in a different direction with yeah, my life. Like, you never <laughs> yeah. know. So. Just think of this outreach they're doing to young people. We might actually have hope for this planet if they keep doing that. Well, it's halfway through July. Already? Yep. 
Saturday, July 13th is Embrace Your Geekness Day. <laughs> it's also gruntled. It doesn't say disgruntled. <laughs> yeah, gruntled workers' days. <laughs> What's that? So I guess if you're happy, then that, that's your day to yeah, be a gruntled worker. It doesn't say disgruntled. So yeah. you're a gruntled worker? Why don't they just say happy worker? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the other 364 days you get to be a disgruntled worker. I wonder if it's just a typo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I, I, we get the funny, you know, funny holiday, so I'm guessing it is, like, gruntled rather than disgruntled. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we also had on uh, today, actually, we should mention the birthday of Henry David Thoreau, author, naturalist, uh, all-around interesting guy. Tuesday is Toss Away the Could-Haves and the Should-Haves Day. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. No no time. Life's too short for coulda, woulda, shouldas. (laughs) Either you do or don't. (laughs) Now, this, this is a really important holiday coming up next Wednesday. It's National Ice Cream Day. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Thursday, Global Hug Your Kids Day. But <laughs> what you could do is have National Ice Cream Day and Global Hug Your Kids Day and act like they're the same day. <laughs> yeah. You could hug your kids with ice cream. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, Thursday is also National Get Out of the Doghouse Day. Yeah. And the birthday of Hunter Thompson. So... So if you've spent the other 364 days of the year getting into the doghouse, <laughs> Thursday is your day to get out of the doghouse. Freedom! <laughs> in happenings. We mentioned this before, but now is the time for it to happen. Parents in prison. What is the impact on children? This is at Guy House on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. A majority of prisoners in Illinois are parents. The children of incarcerated parents are at risk for a host of problems, both behaviorally and educationally. This workshop series will address the impact of prisons on the life of children. It will be offered on successive Wednesdays at noon on July 10th, 17th, and 24th at Guy House in the library. Now, there's no pre-reading or pre-registration required, but if you do have questions for more information, you can contact Maureen, the facilitator, um, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A dot Maureen at gmail.com. Hmm. Also, if there's anything we've talked about in this radio show, you can email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we'll add you to, well, we'll send you the whole newsletter, or we'll just send it to you every week if you want, your choice. Yes. And you can also send us your happenings because we will help make them happen by announcing them here on the radio. Because we're the happening guys. Yes. We make things happen. <laughs> All right. In other happenings, we have open mic night over at Guy Haas Interfaith Center. That's tonight at 7 p.m., 913 South Illinois. Express yourself in a comfortable coffee house style environment. Everyone is invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, and more. And Carbondale is proud to have two Carbondale Farmer's Markets. There's one on the west side of town, and there's one at the Carbondale Community High School. The Farmer's Market on the west side is from 8 until noon. The one at the Carbondale Community High School is 9 till 1 p.m. Yeah, so if you plan out your morning well, you can go, you know, west side, east side, go to both Farmer's Markets. Get maximum amounts of fresh veggies and other local goodies. And the new one, the Carbondale Community Farmers <laughs> Markets, they actually have, um, what do you call it, a kids section. Yeah. So they have, like, chalk and um, rabbits for the kids to play with and, you know, um, 
it's a community farmer's market. So they've just figured out ways to incorporate kids because yeah. in case you didn't know, they are now. <laughs> yes, children are now. And they also do happen to eat things. So having them at a farmer's yeah, market. things they're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to keep an eye on them. Luckily at the farmer's market, there's a lot of parents. So they yeah. take turns watching each other's kids. So. <clears throat> All right, also coming up, this is what we've been mentioning a lot because it's about to happen tomorrow. This is the, they're closing off the whole block right outside the station. Yeah, that's pretty exciting, you know. That's nice. The city is allowing the station to have a block party. Yes. <laughs> it's the Rock Block Summer Carnival here at WDBX. Yeah, rock the block. Yes, we will rock the block, the 200 block of North Washington here. It's right here outside WDBX, 224 North Washington. They're going to take over the whole block with all sorts of fun. Uh, it's going to be a summer event with live music, entertainment, food, and more. It's happening tomorrow, and you can stop by the station and hang out with uh, everyone who's going to be out here. There's going to be a dunking tank for a DJ. You know, you get to try to throw something and try to dunk the DJ. Ooh, I want to get dunked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what, do people like me? I don't know. I was looking. There's on Facebook, on our Facebook page, there's an online poll saying which DJ you want to get dunked. So... I don't. Last time I checked, we weren't in there, so the people must not want to dunk us. That means they either like us <laughs> or they don't like us. Yeah. I mean, because it matters. If it's really hot out, yeah, you want to get dunked, <laughs> so that means people don't like us. If it's not so hot out, because usually the dunking booth, the idea is people don't really like the DJ. Yeah. <laughs> right or the person, right? Yeah, or they, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a mix. It's like they either they don't like them or they really like them, and they think it'd be funny to see what happens when they fall in the water. Right, or they support the cause that the person likes. You know, yeah. they're like, okay, we like you, therefore we like your cause that you're supporting, so we'll come dunk you. Yeah. It's so complicated. <laughs> just come and dunk people. The politics <laughs> of dunking. <laughs> you don't have to think it through. You could just try to dunk someone. So the this is all day. Yeah. I remember, too, there was going to be a kids' parade, kids' march. Like, there's kids' activities, and there's it's all sorts of It's noon to 9 p.m. tomorrow. Yeah, noon to 9 p.m. That's a long party. Yeah. That's, well, especially for them to close the street. Yeah. Man, the city likes us. Yeah, they must like Thank us. Thank you, city. Thank <laughs> you, city. Yeah. Yes, and uh, they, uh... We have been around here helping the city out for a while, so... Yeah, we have. Yeah. Trying to make the city a brighter, better, more community-oriented place. Okay. Live music, entertainment, food, and uh, dunking booth. Yes. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, other happenings. A day at Statesville. Wednesday, July 17th. A day at Statesville is a short play illustrating a newcomer's first day as an inmate at Statesville Correctional Facility. This play was developed by inmates currently facing life sentences without the possibility of parole. The play's objectives are to inspire community leaders and legislators to take action to decrease the excessive population in Illinois prisons so the system can become more manageable and functional, as well as to advocate for the improvement of Illinois prisons' current conditions. Yes, that's coming up Wednesday at Guy House and Faith Center at 7 p.m. Also coming up uh, in the near future... 778 Bullets. This is a film screening on Thursday, July 25th at 7 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd, United Church of Christ, at 515 South Orchard in Carbondale. It's a screening and discussion of 778 Bullets, which is by SIU professor Angela Aguayo. It's a short 
It's this short is part of a collaborative documentary media project focusing on the history of segregation and political struggle for civil rights in southern Illinois. This sits about right here in Carbondale. Details the police raid on a local Carbondale home back in 1970, where students associated with the Black Panthers were presumed to reside, and it recovers a little-known history of resistance and resilience. As we collectively remember the past, we can collectively work toward a more equitable future. That sounds interesting. Yeah. And that was right here. That was, like, really close to the station here, too, where that raid happened. So uh, it's it's a part of Carbondale history, and it's good to see people showing that film so they can learn about it. Another event coming up, Family Day, Saturday, August 3rd at Gaia House. Gaia House and the No Longer Silenced Movement are working together to create an afternoon of family fun. There will be kids' activities, music, food, and more. If you'd like to be involved, contact Gaia House at office.gaiahouse at gmail.com or call 618-549-7387. Looking for kids events and looking for kids events. <laughs> yeah. This must and, be the summer of kids here in Cardinal. Yeah. All sorts of good things yeah, going on. Yeah, the summer of the, the now, right? Yeah, summer of the now. It's like, <laughs> um, any last tidbit before we go out and prepare ourselves for the dunking booth tomorrow oh yeah no it's it's gonna be my last tidbit i think is that i've heard it's gonna be really good weather today and tomorrow so there you go i hope so. you enjoy the weekend out there and we'll see you at the rock the block party yes we will <laughs> rock the block with you all right see you again on the radio next week you have been listening to your community spirit online at your